BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to Geek 5 Live. Hey, how's it going out there? You are listening to Geek Vibes Live, the wonderful show where we go over everything, uh, you know, comic movies, genre movies. You, you want us to talk about it, we'll talk about it every Sunday. Today we're doing it at 6 o'clock. Uh, we're going to be doing it at 5. We used to do it at 8. I'm sorry for confusing the hell out of you guys. But just, you know, don't try to make a schedule as of right now. We're just, we're trying new things. Uh... You know, we're about to start up some new stuff over here. So, in the meantime, we're all trying to figure that out. I think, I think Wrestling Geeks Alliance is supposed to be on, on, on uh, Wednesday. I'm not 100% sure. Nick will probably correct me a little bit. But what I'm saying <laughs> is we're moving stuff around to bring you guys more stuff, if that makes sense. So, without further ado, let me introduce my co-host for tonight. we got the silent assassin himself, Mr. Kanan. Kanan, how you doing? I'm doing great. Was I supposed to be silent? I'm not sure. I think we need to change that uh, nickname. <laughs> to the confuses you every single time. Assassin. That's right. It does confuse me. The, yeah, we're going to call you the uh, the scared assassin or something. I don't know. That's right. Uh, we'll figure it out. But uh, we also have on the show Mr. Nicholas. Nick, how you doing? Doing great. How about the Twitter assassin? Because that motherfucker That's is right. murdering Twitter in a good way. That's right. Yeah. The, the Twitter assassin. I like that. There we go. probably just murder Twitter. They probably do a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. A lot of, like, save their lives, you know, some hearts saved out there. Either way, um, we love you on Twitter, by the way. Uh, reach us on all Thank the uh, normal media platforms, as in Twitter, Facebook, Geek Vibes. So there was a week, and uh, we had some news. So normally on this show, we go over that type of news. So that's what we're going to do. All right. And uh, we'll start off the first thing. A little trailer drop, guys. Uh, kind of small, not that big. Movie called Avengers Infinity War. I don't know if you heard about it. But uh, we definitely want to go over a recap, uh, specifically with you guys, because I did <laughs> a reaction to it along a, uh, a reaction to it with Juwan and everyone yesterday. But I didn't have y'all's reaction from it. So I'll start with you, Nick. Uh, what did you think of the trailer? Are you excited? And do you think they spoiled anything within it? Or were you just like, screw it. You know, this is awesome. I'm, I'm watching it. How would you feel? 
uh, I loved it. Like, I didn't need it, um, but I definitely loved it. Um, I Honestly, I, I don't really think, I think, uh, like, the MCU movies have gotten so well at, like, just doing their editing and, and not giving you a whole lot in the trailers, just giving you enough to, you know, get you excited and get you, keep you pumped uh, for the next movie that's coming, you know, coming down um, the, uh, you know, the, the beltway, if you will. Um, but, yeah, no, I love it. I thought the, um, it, it, essentially what it kind of spelled out to me is just how much peril everybody is going to be in. Because you see, like, if you if you compile all of the trailers, and especially in this one, like, everybody is getting wrecked by Thanos. Um, so they're really kind of setting the, setting the stakes up to, to, you know, let you know this is, this is a foe unlike any other. And so that's kind of like what stuck out to me the most. And I'm, I'm just super pumped. Can't wait for April 27th. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. And one thing that I think the uh, trailer does is something that the first trailer did, the major trailer. Um, in the first one, we saw Tony Stark just completely obliterated where yeah, this one kind of lends more to that as well. But in this trailer, we're seeing Thor get messed up completely. We are seeing Dr. Strange get messed up. We are seeing Spider-Man get messed up. A lot of the ones that we care about, Kanan. Um, how did you like this trailer, man? And, uh, you know, anything bother you in it or did you like everything? Anything stick out? Uh, yeah, a lot of stuff stuck out. Um, I did not hate the trailer at all. I absolutely loved it. Um, you know, last week I said I did not think that they needed to release any more footage. Um, I think the footage we got was kind of a, a build on what we've already seen, um, uh, with, you know, a little bit of other stuff sprinkled in, but honestly, they did a great job of not spoiling anything. In fact, I think they spoiled more stuff with actually, uh, the behind the scenes, uh, details that some sites have released than they have in the trailers. Um, the stuff I think that sticks out to me was, um, uh, you know, definitely seeing the peril that a lot of the people are, are going to be in. Uh, Doctor Strange, uh, for one. Um, and I think the uh, the whole sh- uh, anticipated showdown between Thanos and Iron Man, uh, we, we expect him to be saying, I hope they remember you uh, to Iron Man. He could be speaking, you know, to somebody else. We know how sometimes Marvel's trailers like to throw us for a swerve. Um, but that um, that ending with um, Thanos and, and Captain America, and I don't really think Thanos is trying too hard. I know a lot of people are like, you know, Captain America shouldn't be able to do that. And, yeah, they are trying to make Captain America a little too OP, but I thought it was pretty cool, you know, seeing him go toe-to-toe with Thanos um, for that moment. But, no, a great trailer, um, really hyped, and uh, just makes me wish uh, April 27th was tomorrow. Dane, we have uh, we, we've talked Dane off the show, man. I, th- I think that description right, well, of the trailer. <laughs> Sorry, I got so excited. I guess I forgot that I muted myself. I was talking, but you guys just didn't hear me. So it's always really good yeah. to recap professionalism here on Geek Vibes Live. Sorry about that, guys. Um, all right, so now let's put the spoiler warning up and kind of go into stuff that 
well, it's not necessarily a spoiler, but like let's grasp that certain things uh, between the three of us and kind of like try to come up with what's going on exactly. You kind of alluded to that, Kane, and there's definitely scenes where they're throwing at us where you think Gamora is talking to a group of people that's probably not anyone except for the Guardians and Thor, but keeps on flipping perspectives where it looks like she's talking to Tony Stark. Later on, what Kanan was saying, um, there's a lot of stuff and a lot of detail in here. We have uh, the Vision coming to Wakanda to kind of go over that they're going to try to keep the gem safe. Uh, there's already been theories, or not theories, but like uh, reports that are saying that it's basically going to be the battle at Wakanda where they're trying to keep the Vision safe and possibly Doctor Strange, unless he gets taken over before that. And they, they kind of made it look like that in the trailer, at least. Um, so there's all these type of events that are kind of like coming from it. We have obviously a lot of stuff in the beginning scene that are only scenes with Loki, which looks like they happened right after the, uh, the stuff at Ragnarok. Uh, does Loki give the Tesseract to Thanos and get killed or something? Is he still alive no matter what? Um, or does he actually trick Thanos and try to save his brother, try to go out heroically? You know, there's a lot of questions. So I'm going to pass it to you, Nick. And, you know, if you want to, like, comment on any of the things I was talking about that you might have noticed as well, or anything that you noticed uh, from this trailer that you wanted to go in depth with. Well, what the thing that I noticed the most is, you know, one thing that I've kind of been saying from, from the beginning is how this is going to kind of be like a vignette film um, where – all these little stories are, um, you know, all starting out in different places and all coming together. So obviously you have kind of the, the group in space, uh, then you, you know, you have the the group on earth, um, and, and, you know, in New York rather, and then you have the group in Wakanda. Um, so I'll, I'll be really interested to see like, um, kind of, I, I feel like we have a general idea of kind of what order that's going to be. Um, probably see the space stuff first, start off there, um, you know, then, then come down to earth, uh, then go to Titan and then come back to earth kind of seems like the structure that we're going to get. Um, so I, I mean, I'll be really interested to see all of that. And, and if everybody is going to team up in Wakanda at, at some point in time or what happens on Titan, um, you know, is there, are there some Avengers that kind of get stranded? Does he manage to kill everybody? Um, of course, you know, that would be retcons at some way because obviously Spider-Man's not going to die, but still, um, like, I, I think that's probably what's got me most interested is how they're going to tie all of these characters together. And I'm, I'm really pumped that, um, uh, about the report that Thanos, uh, has, if not the most, one of the the like most screen time. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was between he and Thor. Um, so like that is awesome. Like I'm so so looking forward to exploring his character and kind of seeing almost like him as the main character. Like seeing like a like a Dark Knight style movie where the Joker um, kind of steals the show. It's, you know that's what I got my fingers crossed for. That is a really good perspective to go about it, for sure, man. Um, we were theorizing a lot on the little recap that we did over it um, yesterday. And uh, some other stuff kind of we were thinking about. A lot of people thought that maybe it was Hulk or, or Death. But it definitely looks like there's a past scene where Thanos has on his full armor. And I'm assuming 
based on Thanos, that there, there's going to be a story that Thanos tells about him saving Gamora. And then later on, we from Gamora, because I think that that's actually Gamora when she was a kid, that he's leading yeah. into there, yeah. and all the other people are green. Um, I'm wondering if, from his perspective, he saves her, but from her perspective, when she gets to explain it, you know, maybe while she's telling that speech, it shows them slaughtering that whole entire thing, because that's what it looks like is going down, like he's taking over there. Uh, another thing is we see Doctor Strange obviously taking over. He probably lost his gem, is what I'm assuming, at some point in the movie. Um, I would love to see a battle between a possessed Doctor Strange and Wanda possibly happen on the battlefield, and that would be very interesting. Um, I don't know if any of these heroes are going to be turned into Black Order members. And another thing that we were talking about before I passed to you, Kanan, is the possibility since in the original Infinity War, a lot of people died, but then they came back due to the gems, kind of like a Dragon Ball thing, if you will, uh, with the you know with the balls and stuff, and then you ask the dragon. Um, but with this, if they're not going to do that and just use maybe the time gem to go back in the past to save or use certain ones of them, so we actually, technically, in this movie or the next, might see the current version of that character die, but then they go back and use a earlier version of that uh, later on, you know, with the time gem. There's so much stuff. At one point we were joking around that Doc Brown should just come, you know, and show up in the fucking DeLorean and be like, to save the present, we must go back to the future. And they all just jump in, and then you hear the, and I don't know if that's going to happen or not. But Kanan, Back to the Future, did you like that movie? Yes, Back to the Future is amazing, and that's why I'm excited for another movie that's coming out in a couple weeks. But we're talking about Infinity War. And uh, as far as – I mean, I guess as far as, like, spoiler stuff goes, because I wasn't part of the the breakdown of the trailer with y'all yesterday – um, I know I covered some of the stuff when I was talking about the the trailer overall, um, but um, I, I don't know. I, I do know that that you know is Gamora. They have already talked about that. They there will be a, a part of the movie where they're kind of going into Thanos's backstory about what happens with the planet and, and stuff like that. I think it's meant to be in that direction we talked about a couple weeks ago, where they're wanting us to. Uh, you know, I guess kind of feel for Thanos, you know, like Brolin said that we would, we would connect with him in a way. And, uh, that's probably a backstory, um, you know, that they're going to go over to try to, you know, give a little bit about why he's become the way he is. And of course, Gamora sees him in a different light because of how he's treated her and Nebula. Um, and I mean, you could tell from the, the trailer that I mean he's 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 not a good guy. I mean, um, he's he's out to control things and and by any means necessary. I mean, I mean look what he's doing to Thor. So uh, Nick is right. I uh, believe Thanos. He's going to wipe out half the population of the whole entire universe. Yeah, that yeah, that's exactly what he says. Yeah, when he's through, only half of the humanity will will remain. And uh, like Nick said, what is correct. Uh, Thanos and Thor, which is an, an odd combination of, I mean, I expect Thanos. I'm not sure about Thor, but Thanos and Thor will have the most screen time. Uh, there will be other characters that will have will be in the forefront of this movie, and in the next one, those that aren't will be, uh, you know, in the forefront. So it's going to be kind of it's going to be kind of interesting to see 
um, you know, what's going on, if there's going to be, like, kind of bouncing back and forth, and then at the end of the movie, they all culminate in uh, in one area, um, which is, I guess, supposedly Wakanda, or maybe there's a battle going on in Wakanda, and then it switches uh, to Titan, so... Um, a lot of interesting stuff to see. Uh, I'm I'm excited to see exactly what they do with this film. I got a theory to throw out, uh, kind of to to throw do a speculative thing. Um, we all know that Captain Marvel takes place in the 90s. Um, it, it would be kind of an interesting way to connect everything if they, you know, spun the wheels backwards at the end of this movie to end up in the 90s. Um, and then have it kind of reset the deck. Um, like I don't, I don't necessarily think they're going to do that, but it would be interesting if if they did find a way to to kind of make that work with uh, with the the, the uh, time time jump. Um, just possible. I I honestly think uh, that a lot of it is based on them um, having you know those shots that we've seen on site of them back in the first movie, I think at the end of this, and I'm assuming leading into Avengers 4, there's going to at least be some type of time travel. Um, that has to be a source of a way to beat Thanos because if it's like anything like the comics, like I keep on saying, he's going to kick the crap out of everyone. He might, do, he might wipe out some people really quick at the beginning, and then they come back, but it might not be that exact version. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if they have tactics uh, similar to that. I'm just hoping, and I'll let you have it right back, Kanan, that at the end of this, Thanos just realizes, hey, I'm a nice guy. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, what am I talking about? And then he becomes Thor's manager for Thor's uh, stand-up comedy um, and then helps him out, you know, and they both become really successful together. I'm just kidding. Kanan, what, what, what right. were you going to say? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Thanos is going to use the time stone to go back and – uh, prevent the events of Ragnarok, make sure Hela never is released, and Thor is going to start his uh, intergalactic comedy tour with uh, Star-Lord, and their first showing is going to be on Asgard. And uh, then we get uh, Anthony Hopkins back. So, I mean, it's a win-win for uh, Thor fans. Uh, but, yeah. Exactly. But, no, uh, there is, there is uh, some speculation um, that... Captain America will die in this film, and that what we see is Tony and Ant-Man using the Time Stone to go back in time and, you know, change things and, you know, bring Captain America back, um, you know, I guess in a way. So, like, Captain America in the present is dead. They go back in time, and they bring the one from the Avengers back. I don't know how accurate that is, but that is something – uh, kind of floating around out there that you know might be interesting to see if that actually does happen. I've heard the same stuff uh, floating. Nick, before we exit this conversation, do you have any last uh, statements to make about it? No, that's pretty much my take. I think that we can all say that we're very excited about this damn movie, and it's been ten yeah. years in the making. And that if you haven't been a part of this roller coaster, you just don't understand how amazing this is to watch 10 film or 10 years of film. I should say not 10 films, way more than that build up to this one big story. And this is just the first half. Once we get a four. So I'm excited. Kane is excited. 
Uh, Nick's excited. My cat is dancing right now. I'm pretty sure she's just gone high on catnip, but that's okay. Um, but let's let's go over another trailer that I don't think we're. Uh, well, I mean, I, I think it's going to be hard to be as excited as uh, that last one. But there was also a nice trailer that came out this last week for Ready Player One. Um, it was their second mm. uh, official trailer. Um, and I have to say, I'm I'm very interested. I, they keep on going back and like trying to hammer home that this is Steven Spielberg doing Steven Spielberg, which I love that idea. And if people don't understand that concept, you know, it's been a while since we got Spielberg not doing a history piece, which Lincoln was an incredible movie, uh, or a war piece or something like that. He kind of hasn't done sci-fi, you know, that he was known for in the 80s. Uh, and the weird thing is this book is developed off that nostalgia originally. Um so it's it's like the book was a tribute to his style that kind of incorporated the 80s with the films, and yet he's doing now that book's adaptation for film. So it's kind of like Bad Company, the band, producing a record called Bad Company with a single on it called Bad Company. Actually, it's not like that at all, but still. Um, but yeah, Steven Spielberg's going to be doing this movie. I am excited, but like I am a little bit apprehensive. Like I don't want you to say, this is going to be like old Steven Spielberg. And it looks like it definitely has that potential um, to it for sure. But I got to say that my biggest apprehension with this trailer was the avatars look cool. The whole universe looks cool. They look like video game characters. So Mm -hmm. I can get over that because I think it's obviously what's supposed to be about. But, um, you know, if if it's got a good story, it definitely has like, it seems like it has a lot of parallels that they're trying to go for the soundtrack with Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. He's Charlie. And whoever the heck that guy is that created the whole entire thing that disappeared is Willy Wonka. So the Oasis is that type of concept. I like all that. Uh, I'm looking forward to all the cameos. My biggest worry is the same thing that happened or seems to have happened with uh, Ava DuVernay's um, newest movie that's in theaters right now, Wrinkle in Time. Is this something of literature that is going to be easily adapted? You would think so because Steven Spielberg related. But still it might be hard to convey the same exact story if you're not just using your imagination and reading it. So that's what I'm wondering, because that same thing properties in wrinkle and time had, this might be easier. Like I said, cause it's more based off the eighties Spielberg. He's directing it. And I love Steven Spielberg. He's one of the greatest directors, if not the greatest director, at least for being able to do every genre um, of all time. But how'd you feel about this, Nick? Are you looking forward to the movie? Like, is this something that you could see opening weekend? And uh, did the trailer do anything to, you know, move your enthusiasm? Uh, it definitely, like, I will say, like, the trailer definitely got me a little more excited for it. it it's going to be one of those movies where it's like, when it, I'm, I'm not going to have my, I'm not going to get a pre-sale ticket for it, put it that way. Like, I'm going to wait and catch the word of mouth buzz and, and kind of judge off that if I'm going to go see it or not. Um, I agree with you, like the avatars. Um, I, I mean, I can get, I can get by that, but like, it definitely looks just like video game characters. Um, and that's, you know, it depends how much of that, you know, you're going to see, but obviously a lot of this movie is going to take place in, um, you know, inside this program. Uh, so, you know, like that that is a little concerning, but just like you like I can get I can get by that. Like if it's a good story, you're going to get lost in it. Um probably my biggest concern 
is I feel like I know the ending. Like, I feel like the kid finds the thing and, and gets control of the, you know, thing, and, and that's how it ends, and everybody's happy. Um, I'm hoping there's something in there that's, like, it, that keeps you on your feet and keeps you, like, interested in guessing. Like, it seems like it could easily just be, you know, a, a typical, you know, act one guy down on his luck, act two, like, guy goes on adventure, act three, guy completes adventure, you know, there's a girl in there who he falls in love with, and then, you know, he gets the key and blah, 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 blah. Um, so that's my biggest concern. I, I just hope that it's it's story is something very interesting um, and it's not just a carbon copy story that we've seen a million times with a bunch of 80s references. Crossing my fingers on that. Cannon, what do you think? Uh, well, I mean, it's, for someone, you know, that's familiar with the book, um, I don't really expect it to be 100% adapted. And I don't expect most movies that come from books to be 100% adapted, so that's uh, that's why I don't really, like, get upset. But I know that there are people out there that will complain. Um, and, of course, I mean, if you've read the book, I mean, you're, you're going to know how the movie plays out. But I think it's just, for me, um, it's just knowing that Spielberg has went and has been able to compile all of this great uh, nostalgia and you know, put it into one movie. I mean, he was able to go and, and get the rights to to things that we wasn't even um, sure he would be able to do. So, I mean, there are going to be Star Wars references in this film uh, and everything. It's just going to be cool to kind of see all that. Um, to me, the, you know, on just a high-def TV, you know, the, gra- uh, the CGI looks really good. So I'm hoping that it will translate well um, in the movie theater. Um, but... You know, for me, I think it's just gonna be cool to be able to go sit in a theater for two hours and and just watch um, some of the stuff that I've loved over the years play out on screen. You know, getting to see, uh, you know, Chucky and the Iron Giant and Batman and Superman and all that just kind of together on one screen, living in harmony. You know, in a day day and age of fanboys going to war, it's kind of cool being able to see, um, you know, all that on screen together. Yeah, I definitely agree with you, and that's the thing. I'm I'm, I'm almost wondering if, because um, I, I didn't check, but if Imagination Land had elements that South Park based off of the Oasis with the same type of concept of, like, this is all the pop culture characters and stuff. I don't know. That was a random thought, but looking forward to the movie. <clears throat> I, yeah, I'm going to be honest with you guys. It's going to be a movie that I'm going to wait for reviews to tell me not to go see it or anything like that, but if I want to go see it that weekend or if it's like, whoa, you guys need to see this, like it's something I put directly in my calendar for the next week or if I just wait um, and save a couple bucks and see it, you know, once it becomes on, on television or, or uh, Redbox or what have you. So um, it's Spielberg, though. I mean, even his worst movies are good. So what are you going to do? We're going to find out. I do like the uh, the actor. It's funny that he plays Cyclops, and he pretty much looks like Cyclops inside the costume for Ready Player One. Ty Sheridan. Big fan of his from a movie called um, Mud with uh, Mr. Uh, what's his name? Matthew, Matthew Conner. Conner. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, let's keep on going, guys. We, get a couple, we, have, we have something uh, big in the realm of Marvel that me and Nick kind of want to do a review of. 
Um, not put too much time into it, but, dude, we watched Jessica Jones, and I was a really big fan of the season. I'm not sure, Nick, maybe you know more than I do, if they changed showrunners, but I know that the showrunner on this was one of the main showrunners for the first couple seasons of Dexter, or one of the main writers, I should say. <clears throat> Definitely got more of a feel for that um, with this season. Uh, I thought the storytelling was good, um, and we'll, we'll get into stuff that I didn't like about it. That was, it was, I enjoyed the season for itself, but I do have some problems with it. Let me ask you kind of like your, your uh, general idea of how you felt about it. By the way, guys, we're going to be going over spoilers, so if you haven't watched Jessica Jones, don't listen. Keep on going fast forward if you're not listening live. We'll just mute it for right now, and we'll, uh, we'll get back on track. What did you think, Nick? Uh, yeah, I loved it. Um, it's uh, honestly like Jessica Jones, like when I saw season one, I was so enamored with it. Like I, I was one of the few people who was like, I, I think I like that more than Daredevil. And then I saw Daredevil season two and I was like, no, Daredevil's better. Like slow your roll, Nick. Um, and I didn't, I didn't watch this and say, damn, now this was better than Daredevil season two. Um, so it wasn't quite on that level, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. And after being, you know, slightly disappointed by uh, the Defenders and being, you know, very disappointed by Iron Fist. And even Luke Cage, to a certain extent, while I liked it, it, it definitely, like, the first half of it was, like, amazing, and the second half was, like, okay. Um, this was pretty – I thought it was – it kept, kept me the whole way through. Um, the thing that I like so much about Jessica Jones is because – PI, they really delve into that aspect of everything, and so like the the whole shit, you know, each season uh, is like her, you know, solving some kind of mystery, and it further like, of course, with the first season, they they kind of go back into her recent past, and in this season, they they kind of go back to her, you know, roots, if you will, how she became uh, Power Girl, essentially. Um, so, you know, overall, I really liked it. There were, um, like, a couple things that I, I thought were, like, the, the decisions that I wouldn't have necessarily made. Um, but I also, like, I love just the character progression throughout it. Like, um, like we, we have the, you know, kind of overarching story, and then not only Jessica Jones has this big transformation, but all of these other characters that the first season set up have these big transformations, um, and, you know, have bringing Jerry Hogarth back was excellent, and her arc in it was, was um, very interesting to me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, overall, I, I definitely enjoyed it, and I think, you know, anybody who's in, enjoyed the first season and enjoys, um, you know, the bulk of the Marvel Netflix shows should definitely check it out. I highly recommend it. Well, we'll go over a little bit of likes and dislikes, and that's definitely a like for me. Um, within it, I think that the, the great thing about the show is from Jessica's perspective, a lot of the inner monologues, a lot of the stuff that she's going over, it does remind me of Dexter and that type of parallel. Obviously a different show, but a very similar type of concept of writing and, 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 and uh, cinematography together. But not only that, I love shows like House of Cards and um, – not, not necessarily Breaking Bad, but like House of Cards is a good example. All the Jerry stuff reminded me of that, a whole entire story arc with another character within there and still being able to stay to that and have an overall great show running around you. 
um, was very impressive. Uh, all loose ends by the end of the, the, uh, the second season were done. And I have to say that a thing that I liked that I didn't expect, but I think that now Trish is probably the worst friend out of anyone in the fucking uh, Marvel Defenders universe, if you will. Screw Foggy. At least he still loves Matt. Like, I know that Trish does, but she's warped as shit. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Her whole drug addiction, every her arc was just ridiculous. Um, forgot mm-hmm. the gentleman, the one that was trying to help her out, uh, his character's name, but um, uh, he was awesome in it. Yes, Malcolm. Malcolm was brilliant in it. Um, Jerry was brilliant in it. We already said that pretty much. Um, my negative will go toward the main, and like I said, the spoiler stuff, the main villain in this. I, I got it. I, I understood that there was an inner turmoil concept because it was his mother or her mother. The whole genetics thing kind of threw me off a little bit at the beginning, then trying to explain how she became this scabbed monster to someone that has completely different genetics. I I got it, but at the same time, it was kind of like, huh, like I did that. Like, I think they're trying to go for Legion. It's just not working out or something like that, it's, or X-Files or something. And the way that she died at the end by Trish, split second out of nowhere, I mean, it was good television in the sense of it was shocking, but it was kind of like, huh, all right, well, that's it now. We're done, okay? And it was like I felt like it was a way to wrap up the whole show kind of quickly and safely without actually – put a little more in depth in that ending after all that buildup. But that's just me. I still loved it. I thought it was a great I, – I think this season's better than the first one. And I love seeing the, the uh, Kilgrave parts of, of it being in her head. Uh, yes. That was actually awesome, one of my favorite parts in it. But uh, Nick, likes, dislikes, and then we'll kind of wrap it up after that. Sure. Um, I already touched on, you know, a lot of what I liked about it. I do agree with you as far as, like, a dislike. Um, it. it, it is definitely the, the, the kind of the main villain. I, and, and here's the thing. I can't really exactly put my finger on it because I liked the way that they set it up. I like the way that um, on paper, the way that uh, every, everything is constructed. Like I like the fact that the, the people who she's tracking um, or, or mainly the, like the, the main scientist who she's tracking is not really a bad person. Like, um, I, like I love that aspect. I love the dichotomy of that. Like, um, kind of the the you know age old question of you know do we as humans deserve to be able to play God? Um, so I love that in its in its thematic um, intent, um, and I love the fact that you know the reveals are set up and structured so well. I think the biggest thing with me is, and I don't know if this had more to do with the actress or the direction, um, but I think the character, like, I get it, like, the the genetics, the, like, reforming her, her genealogy has got her kind of warped in the head and everything, so I, I like, I understand that, um, but I just feel like it was way overacted. Um, like, when she would get angry, there was, it was just like click and it was like shouting mad, angry person. Um, and it just, it, it didn't feel like it, it felt off putting to me. Um, that, so that would be like my biggest complaint. Um, it's just the performance. Um, and I hate to say that, like I hate to like dog on a particular performance, but that's what really stuck out to me is the thing that soured it a little bit for me. Um, but not to the point where I couldn't enjoy it. And my other kind of big thing, um, I feel like with 
13 hours, they could have set up a little better Jessica Jones choosing to go with her mom um, and choosing to help her mom. Um, Like, I don't feel like, I never felt like I got there with Jessica to be like, yes, like, this makes sense. It makes sense what she's doing. Um, (laughs) You know, would you agree, Dane? Like, didn't it seem like they could have set that up better given the amount of time that they have? I I completely agree, and a lot of stuff with the mom I I agree with too, and she had hands like Andre the, Andre the Giant, but um, just, <laughs> she did, dude, uh, yeah. beautiful lady. Um, but yeah, the stuff with the scientists, even the scientists, like I never got like, is he evil? Because like at the end with Trish, it seemed like he was like ah, like going all Frankenstein mode before he bit the bullet. But um, I I I don't I don't know. That was like I know it's it's funny that you can like a show. And like a season, and like one of the main central parts is not really exactly working for you, but the story dynamic behind around it is so good that you just keep up with it. So I guess that kind of like brings me to my overall opinion of, of how I felt about the season. If we're giving this, yeah, I'm just going to kind of throw this out there. If, if this is from, you know, scale one to ten, probably give this a seven, maybe a 7.5. I really enjoyed it. It held up with Punisher's first season, held up with Daredevil's second season, um, well, maybe not as good, but, like, it it, it wasn't a, a detract, and I think it was better than the first season. And I hate to say it to people, but I thought it was better than Defenders. Better, way better story writing than Defenders. Defenders yeah. kind of sucked to me. And, um, you know, Luke Cage is another one where I love the first half, second half. Didn't like it as much, but I still enjoyed it. And Iron Fist, I really didn't enjoy it at all, <laughs> to be completely honest. I try, I, After a lot from a lot of people, I went back and watched it. It just didn't do it anything for me. I thought he was annoying as hell. So I'll, I'll say that this is actually good storytelling, and I enjoyed it. And uh, check it out. Check out Justin Jones. Uh, what, what do you have to say about it, Nick? Uh, yeah, I, I pretty much agree with your rating. I actually enjoyed the first season more because um, I just thought Kilgrave was such a captivating villain. Um, oh, and I did want to say I, I – I, I agree with you 100%. The, the way they incorporated Kilgrave into her psyche um, was excellent. It was so well done, and it was so cool to see that character back um, and kind of how, um, you know, uh, how kind of traumatized someone could be after being controlled by another person like that. Um, so, uh, yeah, I very much like that. But, yeah, I think, I think a seven, I, I would probably give the first season like an eight, um, uh, I both I think both Daredevil season one and Jessica Jones season one are both hover around an eight for me. Um, yeah, I think season two of Daredevil is like a nine. Um, but I would put this on par with Luke Cage. Um, probably think it's even a little bit better than Luke Cage overall. Um, even though I found um, I did I did find Luke Cage's uh, villain to be a, a little more intriguing, um, and especially how they have the, you know, complete uh, 180 halfway through that season, even though the second half just doesn't doesn't quite live up to the first. Um, but, yeah, we're pretty much on par with that. And, yeah, I think seven is about what I would give it. All right. Well, regardless, I think that proves that we liked it. And if you guys were wondering if the show was good or not, in me and uh, Nick's opinion, we liked it a lot. So check it out. Make your own opinion and enjoy the content they're giving with all this wonderful comic book stuff because I doubt it's going to last forever. I sound like uh, you know, my grandmother pointing my hand and shaking it at you, people out there. 
Anyways, all right, guys. Um, Kenny, you still there? Yes, I'm still here. All right, we got DC stuff. So wake up. We'll be talking a little bit about DC <laughs> before we move on on some other topics. All right, so the first big uh, news. I don't know how I feel about it. Uh, I'll just I'll give the headline. So basically, uh, Matt Reeves the Batman is going to be moved. Is not going to even get started until 2019. So. I, I look at it in both good ways and bad ways. Before I pass to Kanan, who probably has a little more information than I do, um, the good stuff is the fact that they'll really be able to develop this whole entire thing. It's good that we're hearing Matt Reeves' uh, name attached with the project with all the stupid banter and rumor and whatnot out there. Um, and maybe they can really get a good story, get this whole thing going. Maybe they're really trying to work out things with Ben. I can keep my fingers crossed on my toes and my fingers when I say that, but I don't even believe it anymore. Um, and uh, get this whole entire thing scaled out. The bad thing is, if any other fucking Bat movie gets greenlit or started and comes out beforehand, doesn't have a like a little bit of a connection, and it's kind of like standing by itself, it's going to be so dumb if we have a Bat something movie come out before Batman. But I digress. Uh, I'll go more into detail, but let me pass it to Kanan. Kanan, how do you feel? Do you got more information about this than I'm telling? No, I mean, and honestly, um, I didn't even, it came from uh, Heroic Hollywood, and I didn't even see um, any additional information from uh, Umberto. Like, it didn't come from him exactly. Uh, it was just something that his site confirmed first, and he put it then on the other sites kind of, yeah, he did, he did put, yes, I did see he put it on the page, uh, but it, but normally with something like this, I guess he, if it's something that he broke, then he did not break it with the rap. It's something that Heroic Hollywood came out first. Another writer um, confirmed the news. Uh, there are other sites that picked up on it. They're running with it as rumor right now. Um, WonderCon is coming up next week. Uh, we might have um, some information regarding the Batman film um, for sure, so everybody just stay tuned kind of on that. Um, there are some stuff going around that right now Warner Brothers is kind of and they uh you know, they're filming Wonder Woman. Um Suicide Squad's supposed to go into production later this year and they're also still filming Shazam. So uh they kinda got their slate full. They don't really want to get into anything else uh right now. I think the uh AT and T um merger uh, goes to trial this week, so Warner Brothers also has that that's on their plate, and you know they might just kind of be in a wait and see approach. But the the main thing that I've I've heard, and I don't know that this is for sure, but is just that um, you know right now there's some holdups uh, with Batman um, as far as you know if Ben is going to come back and play as Batman, um, you know is where Reeves is with the script. So I guess they're kind of just like, hey, we've got a lot of stuff going on this year. Um, we'll just wait and pick it up next year and go from there, which, I mean, to be honest with you, that's not really a bad thing because if it starts production in 2019, depending on when it starts, it can still make a, a 2020 release. And, you know, we have two movies coming out next year. We'll have Wonder Woman uh, to and we're going to have Shazam. So uh, it's not like we're going to be without DC films. 
Um, we may even have um, Suicide Squad too, depending on when they push it out. Because like I said, it goes into production in October. So depending on when it finishes, we may have three DC films coming out next year. And then for 2020, you know, that gives us a chance to have Batman. Um, hopefully uh, we might even get uh, Man of Steel 2. All right, well, that, that doesn't sound too bad, you know, for theorizing. Um, Nick, I know that you're so excited about talking about updates involving Ben Affleck as Batman, but seriously, do you find anything to worry about if Batman or the Batman doesn't go into production until even late 2019? A little. Um, I mean, I, y'all know how I feel about Ben Affleck as Batman. Like, if he wants to stay on and he's committed to it, fine. If not, move on. Like, that's cut and dry as I can put it. Um, but as far as just, you know, the 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 fact that they may not go into production until late 2019, um, I'm fine with that. Like I, like I said, I think uh, a couple weeks back, like, just there's no reason to rush the script. Like, you got into the quandary that is Suicide Squad because you wanted, you know, Ayer to write a script in like six weeks. Now, I, I get that, you know, he's probably been working on this script now for probably six-plus months, um, if if not longer. Um, but nevertheless, like, I, I, I do feel like the biggest thing is, is you know, let your, your creative forces, you know, give them their time to make their – to create their stories and, and you know, because that's the most important part is you want to get – a solid story. You don't want to be in a situation where you're trying to figure out a story as you make the movie. Um, cause that, you know, hardly ever works. So like, I, I actually kind of find it in, in a more positive light. Like, um, I mean, I'm concerned for it as a whole, is it in, you know, DC as a whole, um, and Warner brothers and all this, you know, stuff that's going on with them. Um, but as far as this particular news, I, I kind of look at it in an optimistic way. Like, good, you're not going to rush it. You're going to let Matt Reeves do his thing. Um, maybe I'm naive in thinking that, but, like, I, I, I'm choosing to look at it optimistically. And I appreciate that about you, Nick, is that you're choosing to look at it optimistically. Sounds like Canon is, too. And I am, to an extent, at the same time, I'm just wondering if we're giving him enough time to be able to jump the fuck off and be like, screw this. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. That's always like my, my biggest worry. And, you know, it doesn't sound like something that I was worried about with Nightwing seems like it's on hold for right now. Uh, it sucks because I want to see uh, McKay's version of it, but it seems like we're going to get that down the pipeline. Obviously we know Batgirl's not happening anytime soon. So maybe they can flush this out a little bit more um, and get the Batman to speak for itself you know, once they start in 2019. It's just, God, man, everything that's happening. Actually, this, this perfectly goes and flows right into our next topic about DC. Another bomb was dropped this week. Um, you know, beforehand, we like Michael Bay's doing Lobo, or back in the day, Guillermo del Toro was doing uh, Just Sleep Dark. These intriguing concepts that necessarily don't have to connect themselves too much to the actual DCFU. Yes, I call it DCFU. It's the film universe. Get your head out of the gutter. Um, but there seem like these great projects 
at one time we heard word that George Miller was going to be doing New Gods. But now it seems that Ava DuVernay, um, and if you didn't know her, she did a movie called Selma about a guy named Martin Luther King Jr. You should probably watch that movie. It's incredible. And if you don't know anything about MLK, um, I, I, I don't know what to tell you about that. I mean, just anyways. Um, Great movie with David Oteluo. I think I pronounced that wrong, but I'm just going to go with it. Great actor. Um, she also just did A Wrinkle in Time, which I'm hearing there is a lot of flack in the movie. It's got a 40% right now on Rotten Tomatoes. But I think a main thing that people are saying is that the book that she decided to try to direct off of is a very hard book to adapt to film. But people were worried about that to begin with. I'm not trying to give her excuses, but I heard that the direction – and the cinematographer she works with, that they made a very beautiful film. Well, it's weird that you put Ava DuVernay and George Miller in the same type of concept, but they're a visual director. And when you give someone like Ava DuVernay a bunch of money, and she knows how to use it right, and not for random tauntauns running around the desert or something like that, um, or whatever George Lucas used for the uh, prequels or the remakes. Um, anyways. Uh, you know, you can actually have a really great film. And from the reports, I believe Deadline reported that this is not going to be a part of the DC uh, FU. And then now there's been reports from Variety saying that that's not the case. That just can be kind of by itself. Um, if you guys don't know who the new gods are, uh, definitely use Google. I can give you a little rundown. Uh, Jack Kirby, after he was done making characters from Marvel, such as, I don't know, Spider-Man, Captain America, forming the Avengers, always Stanley, of course, Fantastic Four, and all these great characters. Black Panther. Um, Black Panther. There's another one. I heard you. Heard you there. Um, uh, he created these these characters in Marvel called Galactus and the Silver Surfer, and uh, he was Jewish and kind of based off off, off of um, the Old Testament's version of God being this wrathful concept as being Galactus and Silver Surfer being his, his archangel to go and do whatnot. And so he's always had the type of um, concept with his storytelling. But with New Gods, when he went to D.C., um, the whole concept of New Genesis was heaven, with High Father being kind of like this God concept, and Apocalypse being hell, uh, this other planet that it battles with constantly, with Darkseid, its leader being kind of like the devil. Darkseid, the same guy that sends Steppenwolf down in, in Justice League. Um, and I don't know if we're going to have anything to do with that, if this is going to be in the present time, it's going to be in the past showing you what happened. But you've got to understand, there's certain elements of He-Man and the Master of the Universe that's based off of Apocalypse and New Genesis from Jack Kirby. Uh, George Lucas, the source, the force, stuff that he even gives credit to Jack Kirby's new, new gods. So these new gods, I'm, I'm assuming we're going to see a lot of them fleshed out, Dark Side, Big Barda, all these amazing, great characters. And if they can do some type of mythical concept that's larger than life uh, with Ava DuVernay's, uh, you know, uh, steering the ship, tell a great story that we could have an awesome, amazing, out-there film that I'll probably have to take acid to go watch. I'm just kidding. I've never done that in my life. Um, Kanan, <laughs> how do you feel about New Gods? And, you know, for someone like me who's been like, can DC quit, like, releasing films? When they said this, I was like, okay, never mind. They can do this one. I, I don't mind this one. But I don't know how you feel about it. 
Are you excited? Are you worried about the results of Wrinkle in Time having anything to do with this? Do you think it will happen? Uh, yes, I, I think it will um, happen because I just don't think that Ava would, you know, agree to something that would potentially, um, you know, be a waste of her time. I mean, I think DC really knows what they want it, what they want to do. I think that fans are looking at this like, oh, you know, why aren't we getting Man of Steel two news and stuff like that? I mean, that stuff's going to come. Like I said, we got WonderCon coming up. We still got Comic Con coming up. Um, I think I think this is huge, and I think if DC hadn't went out and got someone of her caliber and Marvel and scooped her up, then all the fans would be like, oh, you know, D- DC lost out on another great director. You know, it's it's it seems like there's a lot of backlash because DC's got her, um, but I don't think the same would be said if if Marvel had her. And I think this is a great film. I think that people are taking that out of context. The uh, It's not going to be in the DCU. Um, you know, people that are familiar with uh, the new gods, it's a... Uh, it's outside the multiverse. It's kind of in its own realm, but that does not mean that it will not be connected to uh, the DCU. Um, in fact, if it's not, then, I mean, it's kind of a huge waste because you've already given a Steppenwolf. You've introduced Darkseid uh, to some degree because he was mentioned in Justice League, and this is a great way to build on that. I know that right now that DC seems like they really want to go the Legion of Doom route, but this is kind of cool to give us our own uh, sneak peek into, you know, seeing Darkseid, um, seeing his, you know, minions, Granny Goodness, uh, Big Bart. I mean, it's, I'm telling you, dude, this is one of the top films for fan casting right here. I mean, we could have a who's who of uh, great cast members in this film. And even if it is a standalone film, uh, that kind of sits outside the DCU, I think it's still a huge win um, for a DC fan. I don't think it's going to be like the Elseworlds Joker movie where they're just kind of making a film about Joker. I think this will be its own film, but it's going to it's gonna tie in uh, eventually to what the DCU is doing. Um, I, you know, the DCU is not going anywhere, which Shazam, it's tied to it. We've seen from set photos. Um so, yeah, I mean, it's just just got to give it time. Everybody needs to kind of let DC and Warner Brothers regroup and, and, and get going. And I'm telling you, I've heard lots of good things about Aquaman, and it makes me excited to have Ava on board with DC and to see what she can do. Um, I'm just excited to see who they start casting. You know, Gwendolyn Christie for a big part for sure. Let's get her. Yep, I was about to say Gwendolyn Christie for big barter for sure. I would actually like David Otelio just because he's, he's been in Selma, he's been in a couple other movies, maybe as Mr. Miracle. He's got that charm to him. I think that he would be yep. good possibly for that role. Um, I've been saying Kathy Bates for the longest time for Granny Goodness, and I still love that idea. But he works with Oprah a lot, and I could see Oprah taking that role and killing that as well. So either one of those ladies. Um, and I'm also going to always say one of my biggest – it, casting is Idris Elba for Darkseid. I think that him as that evil concept, if you give him a lot of roles, he could play them, but I think that he would do extremely well uh, for that specific role. But I love this because you have elements in this, Nick, for, you know, uh, some type of like mythical epic, you know, in, in essence, maybe a mythical epic 
meets sci-fi, kind of like what the Dark World was trying to do. But uh, Guardians of the Galaxy could definitely be like a reference Star Wars in this. Um, for someone that doesn't know much about the New Gods, even though DC seems like they're they have so much on their plate, you know, with with stuff coming up from a lot of great directors that we like, whether it be the sequel to Wonder Woman, um, you know, James Wan doing Aquaman, uh, this this whole entire concept, even Michael Bay doing Lobo, it seems like they're really trying to give the directors <laughs> the exact opposite: step the fuck back and let them do their own movie, loosely connected, something that you kind of wanted. Are you excited about them going balls to the wall with this project, or do you think that might be a little bit premature? No, I think it's awesome. Like, and you hit the nail on the head. Like, I have been saying that. Like, I w- would love to see them do films that, like Kanan said, can be in the DCEU but not have to connect. Like, that's the biggest thing to me is – if you can take a project like Lobo or New Gods with this one or Justice League Dark, um, things that don't have to connect to the overall narrative but can still just exist in that universe, um, I love that concept. Um, I, I'm really excited for this. Uh, I, I'm a huge Jack Kirby fan. I think all of us are. Um, and that was one of the things that, like, you know, I, I had a few um, – a few things that I didn't like about Thor Ragnarok, but one of the things that I loved was it was the the, the vibrant uh, cinematography uh, and, and mm. color schemes and everything else yep. that was in that movie. Like, could you imagine that with New Gods? Which just like like because I don't think you have to I don't think you have to paint everything dark for the story to be dark. It can still have vibrant color. Um, it's like um, it's like. Uh, I don't know if either one of y'all know this song, but it's like the Warren Zevon song, Excitable Boy. Uh, it's like a pop song. It's just, it's all poppy and happy and everything else. And it's about like a serial killer, you know, like it, it's like, you can get away with that. You could get away with making something look like, uh, you know, having this, this, this very vibrant uh, and colorful schemes and still have at its core, not make it, you know, a, a, space comedy. Um, so, like, I, I look forward to that kind of aspect of it, and I do think from, you know, the trailer that I saw for Wrinkle in Time and everything else, um, it, it definitely was not something that grabbed me. I never read the books. Um, I, it just, the story didn't, it didn't just, you know, it wasn't for me, but um, it does look visually stunning. So I'm, I'm like, kind of picturing her style in, in that sort of aspect with the backdrop of New Gods. Like, yes, sign me up. And then one more thing, um, I think Kanan kind of alluded to this. Uh, it would be an awesome way to set up Darkseid. Like, like, how cool would that be, like, to get a New Gods movie that, like, introduces us to Darkseid, and then so once we get him down the road, we already have this character established. Um, and we've already seen the character and kind of know all about him, and then you don't have to, like, devote so much uh, of your movie to explaining who Darkseid is and what his motives are and everything else. Um, so I do think it's a really good idea for the DCEU long term um, to have this movie to set up one of their main villains. Um, and it's a very interesting way to go about it. Absolutely. Um, and that's the thing, it's like 
if if they connect anything, unless it's in the past, and I don't, I, I'm not even worried about it. But just like at the beginning, if you could have Darkseid on his throne and be like, uh, General Steppenwolf is back, and they're they have him in chains, and they like carry him off, and he's begging for Darkseid's forgiveness, and that's all we see. You don't even have to see him really; you could just hear him. Or if it's in the past, fuck, give Curran Hines a better role and let him actually be Steppenwolf, his general at one point, because we know he's a good actor. And not make him look like a friggin', friggin' video game character, but just a lot of great out the world characters. You know what? I was wrong about Oprah. Oprah would be better as uh, Darkseid's nagging mother, Hegra. I think there's so many cool characters within the New Gods that they can really. Orion's another character that they can get a badass actor to play. Like, and just like the concept that they had to trade sons, and Mr. Miracle had to grow up, you know, High Father's son on Apocalypse, and Orion had to grow up on New Genesis, these warring planets as kind of like a safety or a, a, a treat. Or, yeah, yeah. A, a truce, I mean. Sorry. Can't pronounce anything anymore. Uh, so I am very excited about this. I'm excited about DC doing stuff, or Warner Brothers, I should say, doing stuff out of the box with DC. Dude, let Paul Thomas Anderson do a Teen Titans movie based off of the George Perez, Mark Wolfman run of the new Teen Titans. Seriously, if you want to do that, go for projects like that. You know, try to get Del Toro back to do Justice League Dark now that he's already, you know, picked up an Oscar. Like, these type of concepts, if what was restraining directors beforehand was not enough creative control, give them creative control, let them make good movies, and try to get other people to make sense of it if you still want to connect them to make sure they're a little bit connected here and there. Just so if you want to do another type of thing later on, you have that door open. But this news gets me really excited because I think it's a cool concept. And, you know, it's so weird because I said George Miller beforehand, and now I'm saying Ava DuVernay, but I'm just as excited. So let her have her her weird, out there, you know, Star Wars-esque mythical giant for DC. And let's see what she can do and give her a bunch of badass actors. I'm going to go from there, and uh, hopefully DC doesn't give me a heart attack in between all that so I can enjoy it. All right, guys, let's talk about some couple things that are non-comic related. Um, let's see, where should we start? Well, I wanted to kind of go into a little bit of Margot Robbie getting uh, cast as Sharon Tate, where she's in final negotiations for the Charles Manson era movie. I don't exactly know what about from Quentin Tarantino. Um, Apparently, we don't know exactly what roles they're playing. Someone plays an entertainer, and I believe the other person plays a detective, if, if I'm right. But Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio are expected to be in this movie as well. Um, that's a big Tarantino movie. And I'm really yep. excited about a Tarantino film, um, especially with this type of cast. But there's a lot of apprehension based off the fact that the subject matter is a little bit um, not tasteful. You know, on one side, I will say this is supposed to be about how Hollywood was crazy during the 60s, and this can be in the backdrop. And we don't know what Tarantino will do um, because, you know, he made a movie about slavery um, and uh, obviously ended that whole entire thing with an action scene where the African-American gentleman gets the best out of all of that. Did the same thing with Inglorious Bastards. Um, you know, where Hitler got shut up at the end of it and the whole entire Nazi party got burned down in the theater. So he doesn't like to stay historically accurate. He usually has some type of redemption concept. 
But there are a lot of people that don't like it because of the fact that, you know, it, it's almost like he's glorified with these type of concepts, Charles Manson. So um, I'm looking forward to the movie. I can separate it and see what Tarantino does. He's already specifically said it's not, he's not making a movie about Charles Manson. It will relate to that, but it'll be more about the era of Hollywood during that time period. So I'm completely down. I love his stuff. Um, but what do you guys think? Um, Kanan, how do you feel about this movie? Do you like the cast that we're getting so far? And do you have any apprehensions on the subject matter? No, well, one, I love the cast. I mean, you've got uh, Academy Award winner and uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. You've got nominees in both Pitt, and I'm not sure if Pitt won or not, but I know he was nominated. And with Margot Robbie, you know, there's probably still another uh, few more people to be cast that will probably be um, high level as well. Um, I, I, I think Tarantino is, is probably – is going to toe the line with the whole uh, Manson type stuff, but I, I expect this movie to to go in that direction. And honestly, the subject matter is what it is. It's not going to be the first movie that's covered um, stuff like that. Uh, the first Strangers movie um, was, you know, sort of adapted from uh, the Manson murders, uh, Natural Born Killers. I mean, there's a lot of movies that have been made that are probably going to be uh, you know, that are around, uh, you know, that kind of theme. So, I mean, it is what it is. This was a, a true event. Uh, I think it just depends on how well it's handled. Um, if he does it in a tasteful way, I really honestly don't know how you can be tasteful with something that was so despicable. But, um, I mean, if Mark Robbie comes out and is playing Sharon Tate, um, which is – you know, the rumored role that I fully expect them to, to go that route. I mean, I don't know if it'll be very as brutal as those movies that I mentioned, but um, would we really expect anything less from Tarantino? I mean, just about all of his films have a very gory uh, theme. Kill Bill, Glorious Bastards. I mean, you, you named, you know, you named them. I mean, they pretty much all end in some kind of violent bloodbath, even um, Hateful Eight. So, I mean, it is what it is. I'm just excited for this movie because of the cast. I mean, uh, we've seen Leonardo DiCaprio and, uh, uh, you know, Django. He did great, but, you know, maybe being in a lead role where he gets most of the focus, um, yeah, I'm excited, man. We could be talking another um, Oscar contender. How about you, Dick? Oh, yeah. I mean, A, first of all, I love the title, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like, it reminds you of, you know, the Once Upon a Time in the West and any other sort of those Once Upon a Time titles. I think there's one called Once Upon a Time in New York. Um, so, like, very much love that that aspect of it, first and foremost. Uh, the, the cast, of course, I mean, Leo, Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, like, terrific. Uh, awesome to see uh, Leo and Brad, you know, back working with him. Um, it'll be awesome to see Margot... Um, and, and Leah reunited in this movie as well. Um, and as far as, like, the, the premise of the movie, it, it, I, from what I've heard, it, it's not about Sharon Tate. Um, it, it, it's about, like, a, like a, essentially like a failed television actor who's trying to get into the film industry, um, and the backdrop is 
you know, in 1969 when, you know, Sharon Tate was murdered um, and and Manson's cult and everything else. So, I mean, I expect it to be, like, you know, it, 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 it'll serve as its own story with elements of, of things that have happened in real life. Um, very similar to Inglorious Bastards. Um, we all know Tarantino, and I'm not saying, like, Tarantino is going to rewrite the script on what happened to Sharon Tate, but I just don't think that it that's going to be the main focus of the movie even. Um, I, I would be very surprised if it is. Um, and, and furthermore, um, you know, I, I understand why people who don't like the idea, um, I, like I get where they're coming from because, of course, Tarantino has a very um, – specific way that he does violence it's almost in a comedic fashion um you know his hyper violence um it, it is almost like dark comedy uh at least in a way um and 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 probably even more so in like recent years um but like you know just to name a few like in, in pulp fiction when you know he john schwalt accidentally shoots the dude in the back seat like that's it's done for com- comedic purposes so I understand why people like have that hesitation about it. Um, it's not the it's not the subject material. It's them subscribing their take on how Tarantino handles violence, coupled with the subject material. Um, so I get that. But like like you said, Dane, I'm I'm one of the people who's able able to compartmentalize. Um, Tarantino is probably my favorite writer director like someone who writes all of his own movies um you know of course you have like the the legends like uh like we you know we said spielberg earlier or scorsese um but as far as like a writer director i think he's he's probably definitely my favorite and probably the best we have um so i'm i'm very much looking forward to it i think it's going to be awesome um, and yeah, the cast is great. I expect that we'll get uh, at least some kind of role from Sam Jackson. I, I, I would be shocked if we didn't. Um, and yeah, I look forward to seeing like you know who all else uh, he brings in on this project because he's worked with so many great actors, um, and it's it's just such an intriguing uh, concept to me. And as far as just you know, um, I'm always for a Tarantino picture. What you trying to say, motherfucker? I'm always in Tarantino movies. Um, yeah, I I do agree with you. Um, that's the thing is like Tarantino movies are are like an event, and I will I'll go ahead and say he's probably my favorite director uh, writer combination. I think he's definitely pretty incredible. Um. Because to be able to build your own script with these original ideas and be able to execute them so well, to have an eye, to have to have a brain that that gives you such an eye in, in in directing, and also the ability to write like that, that's that's ridiculous. And that's why I I don't think he's going to handle it in a negative light. I think also he knows that he has a little bit of tension right now uh, in Hollywood. So he's gonna make a great movie, and he's going to go back and do a Star Wars or a Star Trek movie, and you know whatever he wants to do. And hopefully we keep on getting movies out of him and he doesn't, you know, say he's going to retire this year for the 90th time. But uh, let's keep <laughs> on going. Let's talk about our next uh, topic. Well, guys, we have a confirmation. Finally, Danny Boyle is confirmed to be working on the next Bond film. Now, this movie will have um, 
Oh, man, I forgot the name of the actor. Daniel uh, Craig. Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig. Yes, back as Bond for Bond 25. Um, and this is pretty cool because I love Danny Boyle. He's one of my uh, – well, actually, one of my favorite directors probably in the last, like, I don't know, 20 years. I mean, between his zombie films and going in and to so many damn directions and shit like that with uh, Train Spotting. Yeah, he did Train Spotting, right? Yes, he did. Okay, yeah. Either way, what I'm trying to say is I'm a big fan of his, and I think his vision for this, especially what he's been able to accomplish the last uh, couple of years of his directing, um, I think it's going to be a really, really cool concept for this film. And I'm happy that Daniel Craig's happy, uh, enough at least to stop bitching about it to every reporter and actually be in this film. I also <laughs> hope this is his last film. I'm kind of getting sick of his bullshit. If he doesn't want to be, if he's too good for James Bond, let's get another friggin' actor up there that wants to do it. I'm sorry. But if he's, if he's happy to be back because he wanted to work with Danny Boyle, hey, go for it. Danny Boyle is a badass. Um, how do you feel about this, Nick? Are you excited about this pairing? Oh, fuck yeah, dude. Um, I absolutely love it. First of all, um, you mentioned Train Spotting, which uh, was kind of like his, his breakout um, film. Um, they kind of, you know, put him in the limelight. Um, and then shortly thereafter, he did The Beach, which I think is just a f- amazingly underrated Leonardo DiCaprio movie. Um, it was probably my favorite Leonardo DiCaprio movie for a while, um, up until, I would say, The Departed. Um, and then, you know, once I saw The Departed, I was like, ah, that's better than The Beach. Um, but it's a great still. The Beach is a great movie. Of course, he did 28 Days Later. I really love Sunshine as well. I think that is an awesome movie. I know a lot of people didn't like the kind of 180 that it did, um, maybe a little over halfway through the movie, but I love stuff like that. Like, that's one of the reasons why I love From Dust Till Dawn so much, um, because the first time that I ever watched From Dust Till Dawn, I, like, I was just, I was a huge George Clooney fan, um, and so I just sat down and watched this movie on, like, WGN, had no idea what it was, and then all of a sudden there's vampires everywhere, and I was like, what the hell, dude, this is fucking awesome, um, and of course, like, he he won an Oscar for Slumdog Millionaire, um, and I know he was at least nominated for 127 hours, so he's got, like, a great track record of, of creating awesome, awesome movies, um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm very intrigued to see what he'll do. Um, I I liked what Sam Mendes did um, with uh, the third Daniel Craig uh, Bond movie, uh, Skyfall. Uh, I thought that was great. Um, I thought the last one was very underwhelming. Um, but I'm a huge Bond fan. I can literally name you every Bond film in order. Um, I won't because it would take me at least two minutes. Um, but I, I, I truly, truly love the Bond franchise, and I think this is uh, like a, just a terrific get for these guys. Um, and and I'm, one more thing, Dane, I, I am with you too. Like, if Daniel Craig doesn't want to do it, like, it's it's not like you haven't recast Bond seven times already, like, uh, or six, I guess. There's been seven of them. Um, but nevertheless, uh, yeah, I mean, I would. If he if after this he doesn't want to do it, that's totally fine. Get Henry Cavill in there. He wants to do it, and I think he would be excellent. Oh, yeah. Um, if Danny Boyle doesn't want to do a second one and they get Cavill for the next Bond or whoever they get, um, 
I know Nolan wants to do a Bond film. He's been talking about it for years, dude. And that's another person I'd love to get behind the lens for a new and one. I don't did, need him did doing. Danny has been in in yes, uh, a... circle. Yeah. Yeah, that's another one. That would be another amazing director to take on that. I completely agree with you on that. But um, yeah, you're right. And I mean, I love Slumdog Millionaire, and I, I also I've, I've seen so many of his movies. Um, he's just got a really cool direction about. It's mainstream, but it's also indie. You know what I'm saying? The feel for his film. Yeah. Steve Jobs, I like that movie. Like, a lot of people had a problem with that. Uh, maybe they just didn't have as much of a payoff, but I actually enjoyed it, and I love the, the uh, mm-hmm. acting in there. Um, Kanan, uh, how, how do you feel about Danny Boyle being the director for Bond 25 with Daniel Craig? Uh, I mean, I'm glad that Daniel Craig's coming back. Uh, I really... Um, I really honestly was hoping that uh, Sam Mendes might come back and 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 you know kind of finish the trilogy because I know he did Skyfall, Spectre, so it'd been kind of cool for him to come back and and then both kind of um, you know ride off into the sunset together because I'm I'm pretty sure that this will be Craig's final uh, Bond film, um, anyways. But you know Danny Boyle does have a great resume, um, his neck covered, uh, Train Spotting, um. Uh, I loved uh, 28 Days Later. Uh, I thought it's one of the, the better uh, zombie plague-type movies out there. Um, definitely um, Cillian Murphy's breakout role. Um, 28 uh, Weeks Later is a little bit more Hollywood. You know, they, the budget kind of went up because of the success of 28 Days Later. Um, yeah, Slumdog Millionaire, 127, um, uh, um, 127 Hours. And then, um, and then what was the what was the last movie you you named, uh, Dane? Oh, Steve uh, Jobs. Yes, Steve yeah. Jobs. Yeah. So I mean, he's got a he's got a really uh or a really great resume. Uh, I think the thing is though, I think he's he's on board, but it's tentative that the script works. So I mean, this could be a DC thing where you know we're getting a thing from Variety in a week saying that Danny Boyle has left the project. So as long as the script works, he, he's, he's definitely uh, on board. And uh, I think I think he'll do a great job. I hope this is a huge film because I love Craig as Bond, but I, I'm with you all as well. I think, I really think that uh, Cavill could be um, in the works for uh, being the next Bond. I, I just think that uh, he would do great in that role. And I think it's something that he would commit to uh, long term as well. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I do agree with you. You guys had very similar points for sure. And um, I don't know. Um, I'm just wondering exactly what we're going to get. I know that Danny Boyle, like we keep on saying, is a very diverse, very particular director, but still can do a lot of mainstream appeal with his film directing. And I think that after this, Daniel Craig and his beautiful blue eyes are going to jump off and uh, we'll get someone else to take over. I like the Henry Cavill, you know, our Superman, our current Superman Christopher Nolan matchup for the beginning of the next franchise. Ooh, so why don't we stay yeah. excited about this version? Let's see Bond 25 and then go from there. But uh, let's let's talk about some more stuff, guys. we got a couple more items that I want to go over. Um, so this is, this is going to be a little bit of a random one. Then we're going to do two horror ones. But before, let's, let's go into the, uh, the movies. Shia LaBeouf biopic, Honey uh, Boy, cast. Luke, Luke Hedges as the lead of Shia LaBeouf. 
uh, within the movie, Shia LaBeouf uh, will be playing his dad uh, in the biopic about himself that he wrote. So kind of like I said earlier, this is like Bad Company making an album called Bad Company with a single called Bad Company. Um, it's not anything like that, but I just like the comparison. So if anyone has a problem with that, kiss off. Jeez. Um, but uh, this is just madness. I See, the thing is, I'm going to pump the brakes because unlike a lot of people, I separate – you know, Kanye West from his awesome music that he's made, if you get the reference. I think Shia LaBeouf is a really talented actor. I think he's a little bit out there. I still one of my top choices to play Logan next. I don't care what anyone says. I just think that he's got a certain style of his acting, and I really want to see that, that movie where he plays that tennis player, uh, McEnroe. I think that looks pretty damn uh, fun. I mean, Fury was like when I was like, whoa, okay. Even Holes mm-hmm. when that movie came out. I've always thought Shia LaBeouf had potential in acting. And, yes, he said, whoa, 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 in Transformers several times. But some people do this thing where they they work on their art and become better, or they have bad directing. It's kind of a combination of both. So this movie is ridiculous, but I'm still intrigued to want to go see it. If he's going to be playing his father about a biopic about himself and his upbringing and uh, that he wrote by himself, this sounds – like, it could be either just a friggin' church fire, or it could be amazing. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but let, let, me, let me pass it to Caden first, since I just bewildered you with this concept that Shia LaBeouf is going to be doing a movie about himself playing his father um, that he wrote. Uh, how do you feel about this? Do you think that this has potential to be good, or is it going to be hot garbage? I think it's going to be bigger than the Chicago fire of whatever year that was. I think this movie is going to bomb so hard. And I like Shia, but I'm just, when this news was announced, I I was like, you know, what the fuck? Why? Like, who's asking for this right now? Like, he's done some great roles, but what has he done to deserve a biopic? I mean, if this movie is just about his insanity and his, like, you can do it and and all that (laughs) stuff, okay, that's fine. But I'm like, I don't see anybody going to see this. I mean, he's not Tommy Wiseau. Uh, he doesn't have that, like, cult following where people are going to – he's going to get Franco to, to portray him and all this. It's some – I don't even know who the dude is that they're getting to play him. Uh, I'm just – I don't get this. What studio is even greenlighting this? I mean, he must be using some of his own money to get this made because – I cannot see people rushing to the theater to watch this. And I, like I said, I think he's a very good actor. In fact, I think he's one of the better parts of the Transformers franchise. I think once he left, uh, the franchise went even further down the toilet. I did not care for uh, – I love Mark Wahlberg, but I don't think he captured the the magic that Shy had. Uh, you're right, Shy and Fury was fucking awesome. Uh, he stood out amongst uh, a really good cast. Um, I loved him in Disturbia. I mean, that movie's really good. He did a really good job in that. And uh, uh, Eagle Eye, I thought he was pretty good. But this, I don't know, man. I don't know why we're even getting this news. This is like, just, I don't know. If this gets made, I'll be amazed. I'm just mad that we never got a part in Transformers where Mark Wahlberg and Shia LaBeouf got to interact during a scene like, Whoa, I know, really, like, like a bomb brother down, and then and then Mark yeah. was like, "What? What's over here? What are you doing? Hey, you're making me scared. What's going on? Is there a bomb? 
you know, we can have that whole fucking thing go on. Um, Nick, do you agree uh, with Kanan, or do you see it a different way? Because I I kind of understand what he's saying for sure, but I could still just see this actually having potential, just not in the money sense. I vehemently disagree with Kanan. Not even just, like, a little bit. Like, I can't wait to fucking see this movie. First of all, to try to say he doesn't have a cult following? Are you fucking kidding me? Like, Shia LaBeouf as a whole just do it video that like went viral and is like he's got the running from your life from Shia LaBeouf like that whole fucking thing like this dude has a cult following he's a fucking weirdo and I love the idea of him writing his own biopic it's just it so fits him um I agree with you Dane when I saw Fury is when I was like all right I've been sleeping on Shia LaBeouf like this guy is fucking uh that was, like, the moment when it sunk in where I was like, okay, like, this isn't just the kid from Even Stevens uh, and Transformers anymore, like, and Holes. Um, but, like, here's the thing uh, that I Lawless think is too, man. interesting. Yes, uh, I, that good, good point. Uh, he was great, great in Lawless. Both he and Tom Hardy were great in that movie. Um, I didn't think it was a particularly great movie. I didn't think it was bad. It was fine. Um but, like, those two performances in that movie, without those those two guys in that movie, that movie is nothing. Um, they, they certainly carried that movie. Um, but uh, here's the thing. Uh, Shia LaBeouf is, like, he's, like, the uh, – what you would expect from the failed uh, child actor – failed child star actor like a Macaulay Culkin who is, like, famous for Home Alone – and then he hadn't done shit since then. Uh, he did a few other movies when he was a kid, but he hadn't done shit since, you know, he was an adult. Um, he's like that, but he's actually successful. Um, and he's actually still, like, viable and a very damn good actor. And he, like, he, he like goes off on, like, trips and just, like, hitchhikes around the country. And, like, it's dude, he's such an interesting person. Like, yes, I'm totally down to see this. Um... I don't know a lot about Shia LaBeouf's life. And so, like, to, like, see them tackle, like, you know, essentially, I I would imagine there will be some stuff in in there as far as, like, his even Stevens days and stuff like that, like flashback sequences maybe, um, that I'm, you know, that I think will be very interesting to see, um, his, his kind of evolution as a human being. Um, and, yeah, like, I, I, and, and if you're gonna like, like, why not write a biopic on your uh, of yourself? Like, it, it, it's the most Shia LaBeouf thing um, that, that he could do, <laughs> and I fucking love it, dude. I love Shia LaBeouf. And I, 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 two more things. Uh, one, uh, the actor uh, Kanan that's playing him is is Lucas Hedges. Um, he was in both Lady Bird and Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri this year, um, both Oscar-nominated pictures. Um, he was in Manchester by the Sea last year, which uh, another Oscar-nominated picture. Um, he was also in the but Grand Budapest. Grand... Uh, no, he was not. Um, okay. I mean, yeah, I mean, you can – sure, you, you can uh, – Say that. Uh, but, have, I mean, he's you a gotta, good actor. You, you got to have some type of acting credibility if you got picked for three different movies, being a kid actor, 
that all of them get nominated for Oscars. Right. I mean, they're, they're not going to That's all pick. I'm pointing so, out. Like, so he yeah, does, so he does wait, wait, hold on. It's not your turn yet, motherfucker. Let me go. Um, no, I'm I just saying he does these great movies, and then he wants to play Shia LaBeouf. I mean, come on, Well, man. maybe – no, 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 no. Hold on. Like, first of all, like, how do you know that Shia LaBeouf was, didn't, like, watch the movie and be like, that's the guy. Like, that's who I want to play me. So maybe, like, he, Shia LaBeouf called him up and is like – Yo, dude, you want to play me in a movie? And Lucas had just like, sure. Like, I, I've yet to get like a leading performance. This sounds interesting. Um, and you know, everyone's gonna start somewhere. He's he was really good in Lady Bird. I don't know if y'all have seen that yet. Um, his character um, is as complicated to say the least. I won't spoil anything. Um, but it, very, very good. Um, a lot less prevalent in Three Billboards. Uh, but he was he's good in that. Um, and uh, I have not seen Manchester by the Sea, um, but, you know, I, I, I've heard good things. It's I've heard it's very depressing. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but nevertheless, like, good actor. Um, I So, like, I, yeah, I mean, I, I forgot my other point because we went off on this tangent, but you'll, you'll take it from here. No, what I was going to say is I think that you guys are looking at different perspectives, or at least I'm assuming. Because, Nick, are you going to go see this movie in theaters? Fuck yeah. Dude, I will totally go see this movie in theaters. Oh, gosh. Well, what I'm Hell trying to yeah. say is, like, I think a majority of people, this is going to be a movie that they wait later. So I think it's not going to be that successful in theaters, which is what Kanan was saying. But to say that it's not going to be a creative movie because of the people involved, then I disagree with that perspective altogether on Kane's behalf because I think this is a very creative concept. Um just in general, a lot of people know that Shia LaBeouf is a pretty damn artistic mind uh, that, that are in Hollywood. They just also think he's a pain in the ass to deal with a lot of times. So maybe something, maybe some, some, something small like this that he created from the ground up could end up having great potential. I think it has potential possibly for a war potential, but I don't think it's going to make an outstanding amount of money, but I don't think it was trying to do that in the first place either. I don't think this is something that's like trying to make a huge box office. But, yeah, it's not going to cost an obscene well, amount of money. No, but um, it's 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 interesting. I still think it's egotistical a little bit, and I think <laughs> oh, it's kind yeah. of ridiculous. But at the same time, it's intriguing. Um, so I it's I, I get what both of you guys are saying. Shit you can imagine, man. Like, yeah, it's extremely so that's narcissistic. Why I love it. Uh, so let's we. I got two horror things I want to go over. Uh, one of them, Kanan. Let's let me pass it to you a little bit. Uh, so. This this outlet called uh, Collider was talking about a certain uh, article um, about Happy Death Day's sequel, and uh, they mentioned us through reference of Blade Disgusting, who originally got the information from us. Why don't you go ahead and give out that information, like you know, we can kind of break down that news itself. Yeah, yeah, you know, for you know, we we mostly cover um, geek type news, but. Um, uh, I, as a big fan of the first Happy Death Day, if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend you watch it. It's very entertaining. Uh, it's a low-budget horror film that's kind of got a Groundhog Day effect uh, that did really well um, at the time. I liked it. Uh, yeah, and uh, the um, um, the the star of the film's break you know breakout. I, I can't recall her name at the moment, so I do apologize. Uh, but she's. Uh, talked about them them doing a sequel uh kind of back to the futurist uh type movie and i was able to come across some uh information in regards to when the sequel would film 
Uh, I posted that on Twitter. Uh, Bloody Disgusting uh, actually wrote that in an article. They got with me. said, hey, can we use this? I said, sure. Uh, so they wrote it in an article. Uh, so props to them for um, – you know, mentioning us. And then uh, on Friday, Collider had their movie talk, and they were covering some horror films, uh, The Grudge, which I also uh, put out some information on. And then they covered the uh, Bloody Disgusting article and uh, threw a nice little shout-out to us on the on the show as well. So uh, it was really cool to uh, be mentioned by two pretty well-known uh, media outlets uh, in, in the same day. Yeah, we're not just trying to pat ourselves on the back, but that is pretty huge that an outlet that I actually got into this whole entire thing with Collider, or AMC at least, AMC Movie Talk back in the day, and was like, you know what, I want to start doing podcasts, and then bothered Nick until he finally was like, fine, and then, you know, met up with this wonderful group between Juwan and, and Joel and Kanan, obviously, but uh, very, very cool, in essence, to hear Collider uh, mention us, even, but I guess... We should probably not just talk about the fact that that happened, just toot our own horn, but actually, what news did you actually acquire about Happy Death Day 2? And I uh, just want you to know the director or the uh, actress's name is Jessica Roth. Yes, Jessica Roth. Okay. Uh, no, no, no. It wasn't so much about tooting our own horn. It's just the fact that we got noticed for a horror-type movie, and we cover, like, comic stuff. I and mean, we've, we've released comic news all the time, but the one thing I release in the horror genre um, actually uh, called on, so uh, definitely going to try to uh, you know tweet some more stuff out in that genre as well. But no, the news is is that the the sequel is happening. Uh, it actually starts filming uh, May fourteenth uh, until the twenty second of June, I believe, uh, in New Orleans. So um, it's definitely um, you know definitely happening, and that was that was information that we revealed was the uh, date and location. Nice. Uh, Nick, uh, you, you're somewhat of a PI, a scoop getter, if you will, right? You know, you, you like to ride roller coasters and um, eat ham sandwiches at the same time. I don't know what the hell that has to do with this, but how did you feel about the Collider uh, responding with our name within an article and also about the information itself? Uh, well, as far as the information itself, I have yet to see uh, Happy Death Day, but it does sound like a super interesting concept. Like, horror movie meets Groundhog Day. Like, okay, like, you you piqued my interest. Um, so I'm definitely going to check it out now. So there's that. Um, uh, and as far as, you know, the uh, Collider mentioning us, uh, it's awesome. Like, I mean, uh, just, just to, you know, hear Perry Nimeroff, like, say geek by its nation, um, and, and, and kind of power through saying it because, you know, um, but, uh, it was awesome, man. I, I love it. I, I mean, I love the, the folks over at Collider and, uh, it was, it was, um, very cool for them to, uh, to give us that shout out. Very cool of them. Yeah, definitely agree with you guys. Well, let's keep on going to another direction, uh, with horror. Um, I'm really happy to hear that John Krasinski's dramatic horror, A Quiet Place, with his wife in real life, uh, Emily Blunt, is holding at 100% in Rotten Tomatoes. Now, I have not seen the movie yet, but I plan on. Uh, just great concept in which it's basically a family holding up in a house, and there's either a creature or creatures outside of it that they have to be 100% quiet, or they can find, I don't know if it's like the T-Rex concept, I don't really remember, 
you know, who explained that in Jurassic Park, but they didn't do a good job, I don't think. Maybe maybe it was maybe I have to blame it on um, Jeff Goldblum. I don't know. See, if you look at the water of the thing over here, it's like uh, – anyways. Um, but nevertheless, uh, very cool concept. And uh, I'm happy to see a – well, someone that's trying to expand himself as an actor, you know, someone that's known for comedy, become a director and make a successful horror movie. You know, we just didn't have that happen with Jordan Peele this last year. So it's cool to see horror expanding – especially with creative minds that are more derived from comedy. It's, it's very interesting. But um, how do you feel about that, Kanan? And are you wanting to see the movie? Have you seen the movie? And um, does the fact that, you know, it's, it's remaining at 100% uh, excite you at all? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely want to see the film. Uh, I think the concept is, is really, um, really interesting. It's not... Uh, it's not so much unique because you know there's there's been movies uh, that have kind of adapted the whole being quiet thing or the you know they'll see you, uh, but I think just the cast and the kind of suspense of not really knowing you know what's after you. Uh, the film blew audiences away at uh, South by Southwest, so it just it's got um, a really good response from critics so far. Um, you know, like with any movie, I don't really expect it to stay at 100. I mean, I'm glad to see that it's it's there. Um, I, I think it will drop some. I definitely don't think it's going to drop too much. I think it's going to be a great movie to check out. No, I haven't got a chance to see it yet. Um, I wish, um, you know, that I have, uh, you know, still trying to possibly see it uh, if I can. But no, um, yeah, I mean, Krasinski and... Uh, uh, blunt. I mean, just great team up and uh, real life partners. So I mean, it'd be you know pretty interesting to see. I mean, I, I like horror movies um, that aren't just like so much blood and guts. So I'm hoping that the movie's not like that. That's who I would still want to play Green Arrow and Black Canary. I'm gonna keep on saying that every time, but no, no. Um, Seriously, uh, the reason why you probably haven't seen it, I wasn't even thinking. The movie doesn't come out until six. I also wanted to go over the fact that yeah, 20... I was going to mention that. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, there's only been 26 critics that have gone over it yet. So, yeah, it's probably going to drop. But the fact that it's got this good word of mouth beforehand and that it did it well at South, or South by Southwest, um, I love original concepts before, um, Nick, and we're seeing a hell of a lot more of that implemented now more than ever, I think, within the last couple of years for original horror concepts. Um, what do you think about A Quiet Place? Are you, are you looking forward to seeing it? Hell yeah. Like, first of all, my I know, like, last year, like, the, the wide, there were two, like, by the numbers, like, wide favorites for favorite horror movie of last year. Um, one was It and one was Get Out. My favorite horror movie from last year was It Comes at Night. Um, and the reason why that was my favorite horror movie of last year is because it was atmospheric. It um, it was a drama uh, set with this kind of horror background. And it, and it kind of reminds me of that. And I know like a lot of people did not like It Comes at Night. I feel like it was kind of mismarketed. Um, like, uh, because it, it, 
it, it wasn't your your typical horror movie, but it was advertised as if it was. Um, I feel like this is not being advertised in that way, so um, I, I feel like you know it might suffer a little bit from people who would go see it, you know, uh, who won't go see it because of that. Um, but I think that will definitely help out in its audience score um, because it comes at night at a terrific. Uh, a critical response, but it had a terrible audience score because um, people were expecting to see a you know uh, typical horror movie, and it's just not that. Um, and my favorite horror movie from 2016 was The Witch. Uh, again, like very atmospheric. All, all of these movies are kind of Shining esque, um, and that's what I look for in a horror movie. And I get all of those um, uh, feelings. Uh, from what I've seen as far as trailers and and uh, the concept of this movie, um, so yeah, I'm very much looking forward to this. I it's being uh, Krasinski's directorial debut. Um, obviously, he was. Uh, I mean, a lot of people don't know this, but I I'm, I'm sure both of you know this, and and most of our listeners know this. Um, he was one of the the um, actors who was up for Captain America. Um, So I think it could be really interesting to see um, when this comes out, if it's as big of a success as it, you know, maybe deserves to be as far as its uh, early critical response, uh, what that could mean for Krasinski. And, like, uh, you know, could we not only see him as, you know, portraying a a comic book hero uh, who we've yet to see, you know, maybe we also see him direct something. And I honestly, what I would love to see is him be able to portray a hero, whether it's in the MCU or the DCFU, as Dane likes to call it. Um, I'm going to take up that moniker, Dane. I like it. Um, uh, Schnepp created it. i got to give him credit, though. Well, hey, give it a name, man. If if, if they're not going to give it a name, like they've said, like it's not officially called the DCEU or whatever. Like, uh, so, okay, like we'll give it our own name, the DCFU. Um, uh, Kanan's probably rolling his eyes right now. Sorry, Kanan. Um, but uh, nevertheless, um, like I would be totally interested to see Krasinski do like uh, hey, be brought like in. Bomb. Uh, like Luther. <laughs> Didn't mean to do that. Sorry. Thanks, Michael. Um, but uh, but no, like I w- I would totally be down to see uh, Kaczynski, uh get like a, a a character in either the MCU or DCEU, um, and also uh, be able to direct a film. And it doesn't even have to be the same character. Like I think it would be even more interesting if they gave him uh, like especially like I feel like the DC universe would be even more interesting because of all of the, like, moving parts that are happening right now, like, if you allowed him to play, like, say, Green Arrow, like, if that's, you know, or whatever character he got, um, and then also, like, allowed him to, you know, direct something like Justice League Dark, you know, like, that would be super cool. Like, you, he doesn't have to direct the movie he's in. Um, and I think, like, this is going to open a lot of possibilities for, for John Krasinski, and I'm super excited to see the movie and equally super excited to see what that means for his career. 
Yeah, I, I agree. And I'm just going to keep on pro, pro, or promoting my Green Arrow concept because that's what I do. Um, but, yeah, I think that you give him that movie. I think that I'll have to see stylistically how he is with this, but a smaller scope superhero. And if you do something like Green Arrow, him directing it is much more intriguing. Um, I don't know how you would do a Green Arrow movie to make it like a little bit different. Maybe like, I don't know if this makes sense, but elements of kick-ass and elements of drive in one movie, they have to be Ooh. comedic to an extent because if you're going to do the movie, um, you, I think people would want them to do the more funny Oliver that Stephen Amell's version is not. Uh, that's why John Krasinski would do great with that. Emily Blunt's Black Canary is amazing. So, look, DC, if you guys want me to work for you, I will take a small <laughs> amount. Trust me. Um, you can give me it. Uh, it'll probably be like money that you wipe your ass with. Uh, but I will work for whatever. I'll work for Peanuts. I don't really care. Just get these movies happening. But anyways, I, I, I like that concept a lot. And I'm looking forward to this movie. I, I agree with what you're saying and, and, and kind of expand what I was saying before, but like movies that you said, you know, they're a little more, uh, you said atmospheric, uh, artsy. Um, I would even put <laughs> Follows had a weird concept, but the way that that was yeah. directed had that type of flavor to it. But even movies like Don't Breathe that are more mainstream appeal, it just seems like everyone's being a hell of a lot more creative and a hell of a lot more intelligent. And I want to give a lot of props to, to James Wan for kind of steering that ship a certain way. I mean, after he did the first Saw, they did a ridiculous amount. I think he might have done the second one, too. But they kind of ruined that franchise. But the original one has a lot of uh, intelligence to it. And um, I think Insidious did, too. And those movies that he first did and developed, I like intelligence a little bit more with my horror instead of just being over gory or some chicks possessed by something. It's all been done. Get creative. And I like to see creative horror. So um, we got uh, two more things I kind of want to talk to you guys about before we uh, clear everything out and get the hell out of here. Um, one of them I remember that I was supposed to bring up during the Avengers breakdown is some information that we found out that Peter Dinklage is confirmed for this movie. Now, I'm a huge fan of Peter Dinklage, as I'm sure that you guys are too, uh, mainly due to Game of Thrones. Um, and him playing uh, Tyrion. Uh, but what role do we think he's playing? You know, it, it, it could be a safe role like Pip, but to me, they haven't established War Adam Warlock in this at all, uh, or any of the characters really besides Gamora that was with Pip in the Infinity Gauntlet comic book series. So I don't know where he would come into play, but he's definitely playing someone, maybe a bigger villain that we don't know is involved in all this, could he possibly just be playing the voice of one of the uh, the Black Order? I, I I don't know exactly, but I'm going to pass to you first, Nick. Who do you think Peter Dinklage could be playing in Infinity War? Um, yeah, I don't think it's Pip. Um, I I for the reasons that you kind of outlined, I don't think he fits into this particular narrative. Of uh, I mean, they could work the character in. I'm not saying they couldn't. I just don't. I feel like it would be almost kind of unnecessary, um, you know, given what we've gotten thus far and the narrative that they're giving Thanos. Um, I would say, I, I initially thought the Watcher, um, but I, I like honestly, the the more I've kind of thought about it, I think he'll probably be one of the. Um, obviously we know, uh, kind of Thor gets, uh, a, a new weapon. He gets a new, uh, he, probably Stormbreaker. Um, I think he'll probably play like one of the dwarves, like the head 
dwarf, uh, you know, who, who creates these weapons. Um, and, and that would be my best guess to who he's going to play um, in, in uh, the film. All right, before I pass to you, Kevin, let's because I, I agree, and you, you had some great points. Let's let's think a little bit outside the box, and maybe it's stuff that we haven't seen within the film. Because one person that we could be, uh, I'm one one particular group of people, the Eternals. You know, we've seen two of them between the Grandmaster, uh, and also I forgot who Jeff Goldblum played the Collector. Um, but there's more, so maybe he could be playing one of them. He also could be playing some type of cosmic entity. There's a huge part that happens in Infinity uh, Gauntlet in which Thanos is transported to talk to all the celestial beings. Um, And with him is Mephesto, who's basically the devil of Earth, and uh, Silver Surfer, I believe. Adam Warlock might be there, too. I don't remember exactly. I think Quasar might be there, too. It doesn't matter. But either way, you see Eternity. You see Infinity. You see uh, the Living Tribunal. You see all these characters. Maybe there there could be some type of scene like that that they're not going to show in the trailers uh, because it's a huge part of the comics where basically the universe tells Thanos, no, you cannot do this. You're going to kill off everything. And he says, screw you. I'm doing it anyways. And eventually, I think at the end of it, inevitably kills Eternity and rips them all apart or whatever. Maybe that's part of the universe. I don't know. Like I said, I know stuff, but it's all in places that shouldn't be. Anyway. <laughs> Kanan, what do you think could be possibly happening with this? Who do you think he could be playing? Could we actually possibly see like him playing the Living Tribunal, maybe in this, like some god? Um, I, I'm not really sure to be honest. I mean, I've always kind of leaned towards him uh, possibly being Pip the Troll, but I mean, he he definitely um, could just be a voice for one of the Black Order. Um, I just think that with the um, the uh, poster that they revealed, it just would, I think it would be kind of weird that he would be one of the, because I, I think what they said is that, uh, you know, we would we would recognize the voices of the Black Order. So I don't think they're just going to be uh, random people that they've got to do the voices. But I definitely could see him uh, possibly being one of the voices and just, you know, maybe he's more well-known than some of the others. So he would get credit on the, uh, the cast list, um, but we do not know the backstory that they're going to show for Thanos. And if they do some flashbacks, maybe we do see a glimpse of Pip the Troll, um, you know, kind of you know c- celestial type um, flashback. You know, we see him, uh, but he doesn't play a, like a large part. You know, but we don't see him actually play a large part um, in the film. He's just really there for a flashback scene. I love your idea, Dane. I just want to say that. I oh, think your idea is way better than what we're actually going to get, honestly. Probably. I don't think they're going to go that cosmic. I don't. I think Doctor Strange is the furthest they'll go out. I could be wrong. Maybe by Avengers 4 we'll see that part take place. But it sucks because Peter Dinklage, to me, people are going to think I'm crazy. If the, the Fox stuff was done... He could, to me, he could voice Galactus and kind of build the face and make it look like his. Uh, he could, mm-hmm. he could be Doctor Doom for all I care if he played him. He could play King the Conqueror, and I think he would do a great job. He's got this demanding presence, this voice, and seeing him play a Absolutely. hero for so long, I'd love to see Peter Dinklage play a villain, a ruthless villain. So, who knows what he's going to be doing? Um, 
if it's smaller, I, I don't mind the Pip thing or if, if it's like in the past because that can present itself later on. Maybe he can star in the Adam Warlock movie that we might have if he shows up in Guardians 3. We know that they're going to be doing Marvel for the next 50 fucking years, so we'll see him sometime soon if he does play Pip. But uh, one more thing to go into before we get out of here, guys. Nicolas Cage finally did it. He's going to be able to play Superman in Teen Titans Go! And I have to say, even though I don't watch the show, I've got a couple episodes. It's, it's got the same type of intelligence to it as like a SpongeBob. So it's not that bad, but it's not the great Teen Titans show that I watched back, you know, while in high school, which I probably would get made fun of for that, but that's all right. I don't really give a shit. It was a great show. Um, Ron Perlman as Deathstroke, a.k.a. Slade. Frightening is all I have to say as a villain. Great stuff. Came out around the same time Avatar did, I believe. So check it out in your, your spare time if you have a good chance to. This is the same voice cast. Animation's a lot set different. Meant for kids. Much more funny. And if you didn't know, there's this great documentary from John Schnepp called The Death of uh, Superman Lives, What Happened, in which Tim Burton's film, Superman Lives, was supposed to originally have Nicolas Cage, who's obsessed with Superman. I believe his first, his son's name is Cal. I don't know if I, I'm almost... Yep, Cal-El. Um, Cal-El. Wow. All right. Um, and he was going to play Superman in it. He even had a costume before they decided... I think... I think uh, what's his name? Christopher uh, Watkins was supposed to play uh, Brainiac, maybe? I don't know. What? Crazy-ass concept. All of them by itself. Never happened. Probably would have been freaking amazingly awful, but whatever. Point is, visually, he does not look like Superman. But I'm glad that Nicolas Cage finally gets to play, um, you know, Superman. I mean, he basically played Adam West Batman in Kick-Ass as Big Daddy. But, uh, you know, it's cool for him to finally be able to portray some version of Superman. People are making a big deal of this. Watch his role be like two minutes long in the fucking film. But either way, (laughs) for the hell of it. How do you feel about it, uh, Nick? Oh, yeah, I love it. I, I, I mean... Obviously, the guy wanted to play Superman, um, and for for a guy who's, you know, I, I I'm not exactly sure why. Um, it's you know, actors have their reasoning, but for a guy who's you know played, you know, in the last probably ten years, has has portrayed a lot of characters that seem like they were for paychecks and that he maybe didn't really want to, you know play, uh, you know, he really wanted to be in Tim Burton's Superman Lives. Um, by the way, FYI, everyone out there, never look up uh, Superman Lives on YouTube because you will be scorned. Uh, I have done it. <laughs> it, it. It plays you like the first like three minutes of the movie and then it's step for like, you know, fuck, like however long the rest of the movie is, just like a mocking schnep laughing at you. Um, so, yeah, don't do that. Um, but anyway, awesome. uh, yeah, it really is. Like, I, I was like, I, I can't even be mad right now. Like, that was, that was pretty fucking awesome. Um, the comment section was very mad, um, but I couldn't even be mad. I was just like, you know what? You know, you made this documentary. You deserve to get some money for it. So, like, good on you, schnep. Um but uh, but yeah, uh, I, I I love it, and, and I don't think the role will be super big. And 
you know, I honestly think it's just like they were like, hey, Nick Cage, like you, yeah, you Nick were going to play Superman at, yeah, you were going to play Superman at one point. Like, do you want to like voice like a few like lines for, you know, our, our cartoon movie? And he's like, yeah, why not? And I like that. I, I love little stories like that. And um, it's cool. It's cool that he's finally going to get to be Superman. Um, so, yeah, I like it. Kanan, do you think there might be a scene where Superman freaks out on Lois and punches her in the face? No, I did not. Not a joke. I mean, but I, I did think it was funny, though, that we got, before we got Nicolas Cage confirmed, uh, we got uh, Little Yachty uh, as Green Lantern and Halsey as uh, Wonder Woman. I'm just like, I mean, I'm like I can tell right now they're not taking this movie seriously at all. Uh, so this is just going to be one big joke. Uh, but you know, then they're like, "Hey, Nicholas Cage gets to play Superman." So uh, I really enjoyed his portrayal as Big Daddy in Kick Ass, and in fact, he did a really good job. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad he's getting to fulfill his dream. Uh, I'm just thankful that it's not live action because I think that would be terrible. Yeah, um, especially now, it would probably be pretty fucking awesome, but, you know, yeah. Yeah. what are you going to do? Yeah. All right, well, that was another uh, just amazing, enticing episode of Geek Fives Live. So we give it to you guys every Sunday. We'll be back, I think, at 5 o'clock. Maybe we'll change it to 10 o'clock just to fuck with you guys. I don't know. Uh, but I hope <laughs> that you guys enjoyed our content. We had a great show. We went over a bunch of movie stuff. And uh, definitely want to thank my panelists, uh Thank you very much, Nick. Uh, say goodbye to everyone and give any drops you got to give. Uh, yeah, we got a full court press tomorrow night and Thursday night. Uh, and yes, Dane Wrestling Geek Alliance is now Wednesday once again. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, it's going to be fun. All right, Kanan, um, same yeah. thing there. Say goodbye and give any drops you like. Uh, yes, thanks uh, once again. It was another great uh, Geek Vibes Live. We've got some uh, big interviews planned for next week. Uh, we've got uh, Ryan Potter coming on. Uh, could be one of his first interviews since being uh, signed on for Titans as Beast Boy. Uh, we're also going to get Cameron Cuff, who will play uh, Superman's granddad from the show Krypton. Uh, plus uh, maybe a few more. So definitely stay tuned. Awesome. Definitely check out that stuff. When Ryan Potter, who is also in Big Hero 6, love that movie. Uh, can't wait to be talking yep. to him. And uh, keep on listening, guys. Geek 5 Nation, we're going to bring plenty of interviews. Like Nick said, Wrestling Geeks Alliance at uh, 5 on Wednesday. We have basketball. We got top 10 show on Saturday nights with Leo and Juwan. We got a lot of stuff going on, guys. Just keep on listening be great. All right, well, you guys have a good one tonight. Pizza? Welcome to Geek 5 Live.